Well, good morning, everyone. If we can stand on our feet, it is great to see all of you. It is a beautiful day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So no matter what your week has been, no matter what trials, no matter what tests, no matter what you have faced this week, this is the day the Lord has made. And I choose to rejoice and be glad in it. So before our singers come to usher us into the presence of the Lord, if we can just raise our hands to heaven and just give a, a prayer, a, a shout of praise. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you, Lord, that we can boldly come into your presence. Father, without reservation, Lord, but with boldness, knowing, God, that you are here to meet every need in this place. You are here to strengthen. You are here to encourage. You are here to uplift. You are here to set free. Father, we open our hearts. We open our minds to receive what you have for us today. We give you honor. We give you glory. Now let's give the Lord a hand of praise. We worship him this
been held by the Savior. I fell fire from above. I've been down to the river. I ain't the same prodigal return. by the blood. Come on if you've been redeemed. Come on if he's transformed your life and changed you. Come on if those old shackles have been loose. Come on somebody give God praise in his house right now. Thank him. Thank you Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. I'm going to pull a Nelson Nealon on you this morning. My daddy would want me to sing that song again. And some of you that have been delivered and set free, I know what my daddy would want you to do. He'd just want you to step out and just shake a leg or wave a hand or do something. Wouldn't he, Cindy? You know he would. Hallelujah. People are asking me, how you doing? I'm doing real good. I really am. Because I know my daddy's suffering is over. And he's at peace. And he's in the presence of Almighty God. I'm so thankful for that. Come on, Jared. Help us sing. Come on. If if this song speaks to you. Lord. So good to be in God's house. Whatever you're comfortable doing, if that's a high five or a fist bump or whatever, give a kind word to somebody and just let them know you're glad to see them today in the house of the Lord. It's good to be in God's house. 
feels good to be in God's house. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All of you that are watching online, I, I hope that this presence can somehow transpose right into your living room or your bedroom or wherever you're watching because I'm telling you, the presence of the Lord is rich in this house right now and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. I sure appreciate Sister Kaylee and Brother Jared and our praise and worship in this wonderful band leading us into the presence of the Lord. As you're just standing, I want to say to each and every one of you, so many of you have texted me, and I just want you to know that I have gained strength from your text and your love and your prayers. I feel it even this morning as you have lifted me and Janet and our family up. Thank you. For those of you that were able to come to the service, I drew strength from your presence. And those of you that wanted to be there but couldn't be there, I knew that. And I appreciate you being so loving to our family. And I just can't tell you enough how appreciative I am for my church family. You really appreciate a church family when you go through seasons of loss. Because I'm telling you, you can truly feel prayers of righteous men and women that are holding you up. And I cannot thank you enough. May the Lord bless you. You can be seated. To all of our guests, we want to give you a a warm welcome this morning with a hand clap. Thank you for being our guest. We welcome you. You are just most welcome. And if you are a guest, just please do us a favor. Take out your mobile device, if you would, if you're a guest, and complete our digital connection card. You can text TPCDQ to this number, 84576. There's going to be a screen that's going to come up that's going to ask for your name. Give us a little bit of information. We promise you we're not going to harass you or hound you or come knock on your door. None of that. We just want to stay connected to you, keep you informed of upcoming events. And if you have any prayer requests, make those known. And I promise you, our team prays over those on a weekly basis. And to top all that off, you get a gift card uh, to Dairy Queen. So you can go by and get you a blizzard. And that's not a bad gig, especially in the heat of summer. So there you have it. You can also check out our website, which is TPC dq.church and we have some new fall collections of shirts and decorative pillows and sister chelsea are you here today chelsea are you here chelsea stand chelsea is doing a great job with our website and all of our t-shirts and design and all that thank you chelsea for for doing that we appreciate it tuesday morning we have prayer here at 10 a.m and it's for everyone It's not for just our widows and sweet little old ladies. It's for the young, the old, whomsoever will. We never want the fire on our altar to go out. We want to do more than have cute church. Cute church means you get a little tingle, but you leave unchanged. But when there's prayer and it's been bathed in prayer, then I'm going to tell you, there can be life transformation that can happen in this service because it has been bathed in prayer. And I thank you for that. 
I believe that our youth pastor told me that there is a Nissan, I believe Nissan, gray Nissan that is parked over here. Your windows are rolled down and it looks like it may rain. I hope it don't rain, rain, go away. But if it does, we don't want you to get water inside of your car. All right. Today, Drew, uh, raise your hand. Where are you at, Drew? You here, Drew? Drew's going to be baptized in the lovely name of Jesus. At the conclusion of this service, and if you can hang out, be a part of that. I know Drew would appreciate it. Today, who we have is Dr. Cindy Miller. Sister Cindy, would you raise your hand, please? This is Dr. Cindy Miller. This is her incredible husband, Brother Stan Miller. And they pastor a church in New Jersey. And Sister Cindy has been a professor at Urshan Graduate College. In fact, she taught Michael Hall. And uh, I failed to tell Brother Michael Hall that she was going to be here this morning. So if I'm found dead, you will know that Mike put a hit on me because his favorite person in the world is Dr. Cindy Miller. Had a profound influence on his life. So Mike, if you're watching... I apologize. I failed to tell you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Sister Miller, Dr. Miller has literally, literally spoke all over the world for ladies' conferences, camp meetings. Um, She has been just an amazing influence in my life. And when I was going through some of my darkest days, She spent literally hours and hours on the phone with me, helping me through a very difficult season. They pastor a great church. Their son now is, I think, doing the day-to-day operations and ministry. And it is a great privilege to have her here this morning. And may I just say this, we scheduled for her to be here over a year ago, over a year ago. And I think it was just the Lord saying, Wayne, I know exactly what's going to happen in your life. And you're going to need somebody to help you that Sunday. And God worked it out. I'm just so honored to have Dr. Cindy Miller and Brother Stan. They're going to come up after our song, The Offering. And when they do, would you please honor me by honoring them, by standing and giving them just... A wonderful hand clap of appreciation. Even though you don't know them, you will honor me by honoring them because they're amazing people. Brother Stan lost his first wife. He went through a lot of heartache. They dug a church out in New Jersey, which is very difficult to do because the climate, the thought process is just so different on the East Coast than it is the South. They have an amazing church and an amazing family. And they honored me by coming all the way from New Jersey to be by my side at my dad's service. And I can't thank you enough. We have some prayer requests up on the screen is Anna Grace, Joy Smith, Scott Brown, Jared Stanley, Debbie Ripley, Billie Jean Brown, Miss Allen, and Brenda Bass. And so if you would just remember those names, I know that they would appreciate it. If our ushers would come, we're going to give all of you a wonderful opportunity to give back into the storehouse. Remember this. Say this with me. Say it with me. Say this. Are you ready? It's not a debt. I owe. 
It's a seed I sow. A farmer is going to be very disappointed thinking he's going to get a crop if he don't sow any seed. If you want a continual harvest in your life, sow into the eternal work of God. And I promise you this, it will come back to you pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Would you pray with me, Father? We thank you for the presence of the Lord in this house. Thank you for the honor of having Dr. Cindy Miller and her precious husband, Brother Stan. Thank you for all the people of God, every guest that is here. We pray, Lord, that somehow, some way, their life would be touched through this service. All of those who are watching online, I pray that they too can feel the presence of Almighty God. Lord, I just thank you for a fresh anointing coming upon Lord Sister Miller today. And may we open our hearts to receive from your word. And thank you for all of your people. Thank you for the gift and the giver. In Jesus' name. And everybody shout amen. Thank you again. May the Lord bless you.
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. It is an honor to be here today with my precious baby cousin. So you know, now you know I'm older. And to follow in the footsteps of my uncle, he used to tell everybody, he taught me everything I know. I'm just going to be honest and tell you, I taught your pastor everything he knows. That's just, just what it is. <laughs> You're welcome. What a beautiful congregation. I don't want to take away from what the Lord wants to do, but the Bible says to give honor to whom honor is due. So I'd like to just take a moment and give honor to your pastor. He is truly, without my help, an amazing man of God. Yes, he is. His beautiful, talented, gifted wife, Sister Janet Nealon, and I have no idea where Molly is. Oh, there's my girl. Molly, you are beautiful and amazing, and we've always known since you were about born that you were going to rule the world, and I'm so proud of you. What a great family, missing Trey and Brooke today, but I did get to see them. I want to say greetings to Brother and Sister Jones. Uh, Brother Jones gifted our church with his son, Austin Jones. And I, I've told Austin, like, Austin, if you ever retire, that, that's my retirement date. If there's ever a day Austin's not going to be in ministry in my church, then I'm retiring and Nathan will just have to, like, deal with it. So you have such a great family. and We thank you. We love you both. It's always a joy when you're with us. Mike Hall, wherever you are. I promise not to talk about you today. <laughs> That's fair, right? I could tell you stories about your pastor if you would like to know them. My husband and I are bribable with gift cards to Dairy Queen for <laughs> blizzards. We did check out your Dairy Queen last night. They do have good blizzards. So if you are a guest, you need to fill out that digital connection. My granddaughter, Alyssa's here today. Alyssa, stand up because you're so beautiful, the world deserves to see you. So I'm from Texas. Thank you, love. I'm from Texas. Uh, I received my call to the foreign mission field of New Jersey through marriage and uh, married my amazing Stan Miller husband who is right here. You saw this handsome man. He is the best friend, the best husband in the world. He has blessed my life by allowing me to become the person God wanted me to be and never holding me back and supporting every dream. And if I could think it, he would say, go do it. I'll be in the recliner. Tell me how it's working for you. <laughs> he always supported every dream. He never held me back. He, he's just my, my dearest, dearest. We have three children we're so thankful for. And uh, so I'm from Texas, and, and when I went to Jersey, you know, everybody kind of wondered what this Texan was doing up there. But it was the foreign field for me. It was the most different place in the world. Anybody here from New Jersey? Well, I mean, you, thank you for sharing. Alyssa, thank you for sharing. They're so obedient, aren't they? All right, well, then I can, I can talk about them. They're, oh, no, we're online. Oh, well, never mind. 
It's a different world up there. It's a different world. I love, I love, love, love my church family. I love where we live. It's so beautiful. We're right between Philadelphia and New York City. Just a different world. And for a girl from Texas, it, was, it really did feel like I'd gone to another country. But now, now I, I'm so much like them that it scares my family in Texas. But Alyssa, she, she felt her call to go to Texas Bible College this summer. And so I said, well, now they're going to make a Texan out of my granddaughter. I'm so happy about that. I want you just to put your hand on your heart, and I want you to pray this prayer with me. Lord, let my heart be like dry grass. And let the word of the Lord be a consuming fire. And consume my heart, my mind, my body, and my spirit today. In Jesus' name. I'm going to be reading from Matthew 11, 1 through 6, out of the New King James Version. It's also a story told in Luke 7. And it's very familiar to most of you, so I'm not bringing you a story you've never heard. Maybe some of you never heard it, and that will be fun if I can share it with you. But what I want to talk about today is the questions we ask, because who among us has never asked the question, why, Lord? I mean, if you've never asked why, you're amazing. You should probably be up here preaching instead of me. Because there are just things that happen in life when we're, when we're trying to do good and we're praying and we're trying to live that upright life. And there are things that happen that it will never make sense to you. It's just not going to make sense. And whether we openly want to ask the question or we're in our spirit asking the question, something's still stewing and brewing in our spirit, whether you acknowledge it or not, the why question. Where are you and why this? Let's look at an example from the Word. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. He rarely gives just, you know, like yes or no answers. Are you the coming one? Yes. Do I look for another? No. He gives you answers in a way that causes you to think deeper. He doesn't just want you to have head knowledge, which we would love to just have yes and no answers from God. He wants you to have understanding of his character and who he is, because once you understand who he is and you understand the character of God, then when the questions begin to roll over in your mind, you start answering them for yourself. And you don't have to waver and wallow in the difficulties of life because you've learned who he is and you can trust the very character of God. 
What do we know about John the Baptist? The story is about John the Baptist, the long-awaited miracle of Elizabeth and Zacharias, cousin to Jesus. He had a heavenly angel at his gender reveal. There was a miracle at his naming. And we know from Luke 1.80 that he grew and became strong in spirit. He was a good man. He was a great man. He was called of God. He had mission and purpose. He was living out his calling. He was flourishing in his ministry. He was a man who clearly knew who he was and who he was not. If I had time, I would teach an entire lesson today on the importance of knowing who you are. And sometimes the only way you can learn who you are is by figuring out who you are not. Sometimes you have to eliminate the, I am not a failure. I am not a loser. I am not, it's not too late for me. God has his hand on my life. God called me. I have mission. I have purpose. I know who I am and I know who I am not. And they sang about it. I am not the person I used to be. I am not all my yesterdays. I am not all my failures. I am not all my insecurities. I am not all my anxiety. I am not. And when you figure out who you are not, you'll begin to get an understanding of who you are in Christ Jesus. And I want to tell you, who I am, as Cindy Miller, is not very impressive. But who I am in Christ Jesus amazes even me. Oh, he's a never-failing God. And when the crowds begin to speculate that maybe John was the Messiah, was the Christ to come, he was not swayed by their voices or his current popularity. But very quickly he pointed out to the crowd the one who was to come. He said, you yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He must increase, I must decrease. Well, let me give you a little hint. There are some things that are easy to say and hard to live. When you're on the wave of spiritual highs and everything's going great and it's looking good and and you really feel like everything and everybody's in your corner, it's easy to say things like, I must decrease. But when you actually start doing the decrease, then it's like, oh God. Don't you love me? Do you see where I'm at? All right. Well, he's, we're talking about a real man today. We're not talking about a myth. We're not talking about uh, a hero that had no feelings. We're talking about a real man today that lived so long ago. And so Jesus did increase, and John found himself in a prison. There is something about disappointment and suffering that will cause you to rethink everything you've ever believed in. Now, I'm not saying you walk away from it, but you certainly evaluate all the things you ever said, all the comments you ever made, all the things you said you believed has a way of coming back in a time of suffering and saying, do you really believe that? Is this really what you think now? Something about it. You know, for for unbelievers, I'm talking of the Christian faith, for unbelievers... 
When they have a crisis in life, all they have is a crisis in life. They deal with their crisis. They're focused on their crisis. Crisis. But for believers, almost every time, I'm not saying always, but for many of us, to some degree, a crisis in life will almost always start a little crisis of faith. We see it play out in the Word of God over and over again. We begin to question God's concern. We begin to ask Him about His involvement. And then we ask Him why He seems to be so content leaving us in these prisons. Not a literal prison, but sometimes I felt like I was in a prison of despair, a prison of hopelessness, a situation that I wanted out of. But confusion over Jesus' approach to the Messiahship or his leadership wasn't limited to John the Baptist. The same question that you and I ask today and that John asked his disciples to go and ask Jesus was asked in a different way by the disciples of Jesus in a raging storm. Master, do you not care that we're perishing? You're in this boat. The storm's raging. You're asleep. Don't you care? crisis. Martha, in a time of stress, asked Jesus, do you not care? Mary and Martha, at the death of Lazarus, sorrowfully pointed out to Jesus, if you had only come when you were called, if you'd only come the first time I prayed about it, if you'd gotten involved the first time I put the church notice on notice I needed prayer, If you had only come then, my brother would not have died. This bad thing would not have happened. We're talking about people close to Jesus. They knew him, front and center, up close and personal. Here we are so many years removed. He's our mighty God, but unseen. We're not not face to face with him. And if they struggled with crisis in faith, Do you think we're so far removed from having a moment in time where we need reassurance from the Lord? I think not. And the one question that we hear over and over and over again at Lazarus' burial, when the crowd saw Jesus standing there weeping, and they asked the question and verbalized what many of us think, could not this man, Jesus, who opened the eyes of the blind, have also kept this man from dying? You did this, but you're not doing this? You see, we all want a God of prevention, don't we? I I don't want to need the Lord. I want to want Him. Because if I need him, that means I am weak. That means I can't do it on my own. That means I feel a little vulnerable. That means I'm, it's a little scary. I need him. I need him. But that means in order for me to continue to need him, he's going to be the God of intervention. If he was the God of prevention, if nothing ever happened ever, But you know what? That's kind of some of my prayer requests. Lord, couldn't you have stopped this? Couldn't you have prevented this? Couldn't you have got involved a whole lot sooner? Maybe, Pastor, maybe not this church. 
But I would say humanity goes through this quite a bit. We've all asked those questions. It doesn't make us bad people. It makes us human. You think God doesn't see and know our frailties? We have questions. You're going to have them. But he's got great answers. He's got the answer that we need. Jesus, you know, he didn't meet most people's expectations of the Messiah. The apostles asked the question in Acts 1 about the kingdom to come, and they were very disappointed in how he was going to bring the kingdom. He wanted a heavenly kingdom. They wanted an earthly kingdom. Peter misunderstood Jesus' mission and suffering. He didn't understand. He tried to prevent him from going to the cross. And Jesus said to him, you don't know. You don't understand. You haven't seen. You know, one thing I love, I love about Jesus, you know, the disciples were a lot like us. They, they rarely got it. <laughs> they struggled. They're, they're, like we would call them pitiful sometimes. We read and go, oh. And I think if you're, I don't know, do y'all say it here? Bless his heart. I, sometimes I read it and I go, bless his heart. Not Jesus, the disciples. You know, but we're the bless, bless our heart category too, folks. He had to tell his disciples one time, They were with him all day. They had had ministry imparted to them, an anointed place on them, released into them. Then they got a little bit offended at how he was spending the day, and their hearts got hard, and they missed two miracles because of a hard heart. And then later in the Word, he said to them, is your heart still hard? Here's the good news about that. This is what encourages me. He didn't fire them from being disciples. He didn't say, oh, you're, you're such a bunch of losers. I'm going to go find 12 more who got their act together. And he's not about to fire you either. He's going to keep working with me. He's going to keep working with you. He's going to keep saying, come on, maybe just one more prayer meeting, one more message, one more time through the word. You're going to get it. Are you the coming one or do we look for another? See, here's the real deal. The standard interpretation of this story is that John had had expectations about what it meant to be the forerunner of Christ. John had had an idea in his mind of how this was all going to play out. And though it meant Jesus would increase and he would decrease, I don't think he ever saw his decreases landing in prison and Jesus going on without him. He had some expectations. He experienced possibly some disillusionment in prison. And now he's second-guessing both his calling and his support for this messianic figure. The question he was asking may have been not so much, are you the coming one, but are you the coming one? And if you are, what am I doing in this prison? the very human condition of John the Baptist. Now, I'm going to just put it here. If this was Pastor Wayne, my cousin, because they were cousins, if this was my cousin and I, and, and Wayne, I'm going to tell you, this is, this is important for you to know, okay? I want you to increase. But as I decrease, still come visit me. Don't, don't leave me hanging in Jersey with no idea what's going on, okay? So... When it's your cousin, I think he might have thought, you know what, we're going we're gonna to do this together. I don't mind that he increases and I decrease, but we, we're going to like do it together. We're all in this together. But it didn't happen. Wayne 
I want you to visit me. I want comforting words. I want an explanation for why you're leaving me behind. And if it's a good one, I'll accept it. But don't just leave me sitting somewhere on the side of the road. Thank you. In my pastoral counseling class I teach at the graduate school, one of the first things if you're going to be in ministry or in the field of counseling that I require of all my students in in practical theology is they're required to develop a theology of suffering. Because when you come to the Lord, no matter how long any of us have lived for him, we have to remember this. He didn't say he would eliminate and prevent everything. He said, I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He made promises of being present with you, but he's not going to recreate the Garden of Eden here on earth. We're longing for heaven. We got locked out of the Garden of Eden, and we're waiting for heaven. And he's saying, how are you going to live for me in this broken, fallen world? Only by needing him. But we hear stories and we live stories out. And if you do not understand the role of suffering in the life of a believer, you are going to always have one foot out of the door of the church. If you do not understand how God is present in the life of believers in the worst of times, you are always going to be looking to go somewhere else. Are you the one or do I look for another? I'm feeling a little disappointed and you're not being God the way I thought you ought to be God. So maybe I need to look somewhere else for my answers to life. So you need to understand that God is very present in the worst of times in your life. God will be more real to you in the dark places of your life than he will ever be in the light, happy days when you're carefree. You have to understand how God is at work. You have to have a foundational understanding of what it means to live for God and the brokenness of humanity. Not a theory, not a book you read, not a one-time sermon you heard preach, not a favorite Bible verse, but a deep understanding of who God is in your life. You need to take every theory and every idea, everything you've ever heard from people, and you need to put it to the test in your own life. Does it line up with the Word of God? Because the bits and pieces you may have gathered from other people's belief systems, my friend, that is not, that is not going to sustain you when real life hits your house. It's not going to be an anchor for you when you're in a storm of life. You need to get a hold of it for yourself. My students are required to go deep, deep into searching the word for answers like, why does God allow suffering in the lives of believers? How do you explain unanswered prayers? Does there need to be a happy ending for you to believe that God is involved in the life of a believer during a difficult season or time? That's stout, especially if I'm the professor grading it. And I ask you a lot of good questions about where you got that information you're putting on paper from. 
It has to go deep. It, it has to be more than a class lecture. It has to be more than somebody else's idea. I'm going to tell you, you get tremendous preaching in this church. But if you're living off of Pastor Wayne's, his personal revelation given to you, can I just tell you this? If it's not revelation to you, it's just information. You need to move from information to revelation. Because when you get there, you own it. It's yours. God spoke it to you. And though the winds blow and the storm comes and the boat tosses, you can hang on because you know in whom you have believed. And you're convinced he is able to keep you against anything that's going to come your way. I was in my office the other day at the seminary and a student who had been my student many years ago, came and sat with me for a while. Tom was in my class, and he came to class already an experienced pastor, minister, leader. But he was eager to glean. He was eager and ready to dig deeper into this understanding what this class represented. And this particular assignment was given prior to the lecture and hour spent in class. And uh, he was excited about it. And over every part of that course, we wrestled with what does all this mean? Theology of suffering, what does it mean? He leaned into the story of John the Baptist that I just shared with you of him in prison. And he began to mine the scriptures and dig for nuggets of truth going deeper and deeper. He spent all summer in that passage. And he wrote, at the end of it, he wrote a song called The Revelation of John the Baptist. Little did my precious student know when he started what he thought was a one-time assignment for a course that he would spend the next six or seven years living this out in his own life. He didn't know as he wrestled with what all this meant, suffering and the role of the believer in God's place, that his son, who was his assistant pastor, his son who was a husband and father of some little boys, would soon be diagnosed with cancer and six years later, Tom would bury that son. And he sat in my office, tears, crying, broken. And he said, we were talking about this assignment that started it all for him. And he said, I wrestled with this for six years, Dr. Miller. But it was only the other day that the other piece of the puzzle hit my mind. He was standing in front of the mirror. And, uh, and he felt the Lord speak to him. We all have questions, but I promise you God has answers. You can ask all the questions you need to because God has the answers. So when Jesus first responded to John, go tell him what you see, the blind see, the lame walk, the dead rise. Those were all the messianic prophecies coming into fulfillment. John asked, are you the coming one? 
And he answered that by referring to the Isaiah messianic prophetic utterances of the coming Messiah, the Christ. This is a fulfillment. He gave him a direct answer. I am the Messiah. It is fulfilled this day. That was his first response. And then he gave him another answer. Are you the coming one? Yes, I am. Do I look for another? John, I know you don't understand right now, but blessed. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Blessed is the one who's not offended because I'm not God the way you think I ought to be God. Blessed you are when you just trust me in the circumstances of life you do not understand. There is a great frustration in not understanding God. Unmet expectations hardens our hearts. And we can be filled. In the middle of living the Christian life, we can be disappointed. And he says, blessed are you if you're not offended. Blessed are you letting go of unresolved questions, choosing to believe your steps are ordered of the Lord, In the silence, when it seems like he's not speaking, you still feel that reassurance of his presence. Living the blessed life is not defined by me. The blessed life, according to Cindy Miller, is I'll never have a problem. I'll never need money. Everybody will always love me. Well, well, folks, everybody's not always going to love you. Some days I can only hope they like me. I'm not always going to be in a place of great prosperity. Maybe it's health for some and finances for others and relationally for others. I don't know where you will be feeling the loss. But God's version of the blessed life, if you look through Scripture, he said blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You're not blessed because you're in spiritual poverty. You're blessed because you know where the answer to your spiritual poverty is. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. I'm not blessed because I'm grieving. I'm blessed because I know where to find the comfort. I know the one who's going to come and comfort me. Blessed, living the blessed life is a condition not a pronouncement. You can come to church and I can say, I bless you in Jesus' name. That's a pronouncement. But living the blessed life needs to become a condition, a condition of living in a state of blessedness because I know who I believe in. Blessed is trusting the character of God. I'm not blessed because of my suffering. I'm blessed because of my response to the suffering. And so when the questions come, and they will, I want you to remember, you're not the first one to ask them, but there's answers. I want to share with you a song, the the song from Tom Tremble. He wrote the revelation of John the Baptist, if media would start to play that. And listen carefully to the words of this song.
you're seated. Can you begin to let go? I let go of unrealistic expectations. I let go of unresolved questions. I surrender. I trust you. He's in control. Wayne, he's in control. Whatever it is you don't understand right now, I let it go. I give it back to you. Brings the calm reassurance I need. For this world is not mine. I surrender. Let forgiveness drop like 
Forgive me, Jesus. I've hardened my heart because I was so disappointed and angry, frustrated. Oh, let forgiveness fall like rain on my heart of stone so I can live again. I speak life into you. Live again. Live again. I surrender. Doesn't matter the question, he has the answer. The praise team come. you receive the word of the Lord today? So a year ago, Dr. Cindy and myself, we talked about and we planned on this Sunday. And what we were going to do is, is Friday night, she was going to do a marriage seminar for us. And then Saturday, we were going to do it again. And this storm came and I called Cindy and I said, Cindy, I said, listen, what do you think about us not having the marriage enrichment and you just preaching on Sunday? She said, Wayne, I feel really good about that. Let's just do that. And little did we know that this was going to be the week that my dad was promoted why are you saying that I'm saying that God already knows what you're going to face before you ever get there he's already there and if you would just stay here just a minute cute church says dismiss But a move of the Spirit says God can do more in five minutes than we can do 
in a lifetime. So as they sing a chorus, would you just slip your hand on your neighbor's shoulder? And whatever you want God to do for you this morning, would you pray that over them right now? Would you do that all over this building? You don't have to be a mighty prayer warrior. Just whatever you want. Come on, pray it over them right now. Come on. Come on, let the Holy Spirit touch you right now. Open up your heart. Open up your spirit.
give the Lord praise. Thank you, Lord. Well, Drew, it is an honor to be able to baptize you in the lovely name of Jesus. And I don't know all of your family history and all of the family origin, but I'm going to tell you what's, what's really cool is that this is your spiritual family. And your obligation to us is to serve us with your gifts. And our obligation to you is to serve us with our gifts. And together, that's called a family. I want you to welcome Brother Drew to the family of the Lord as he's baptized in the name of Jesus. Amen. Brother Drew, take your hand if you would. Hold your nose. Brother Drew, upon the confession of your faith, step up, and the obedience to God's command, I now baptize you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for the remission of all your sins. Thank you, Jesus. Come on and let's give God praise. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord. Father, let your hand be upon Brother Drew. Lead him and guide him and direct him. Let his purposes, oh God, prevail. Let him reach his full potential. And let him be a witness to many others of the goodness and the grace of Christ. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, take my hand. Hey, you're not leaving here by yourself today. Come on, take the hand of the Lord and say, God, I'm walking with you through the storm through the rain, through the sun, through, Lord, the shame, whatever it may be, you're bringing me through it in Jesus' name. May you be blessed of the Lord. May you have a great week. Go with God and God will go with you. Thank you for being here today. May the Lord bless you.